On the night of November 29, 1981, beautiful actress Natalie Wood disappeared from her yacht, The Splendor, while visiting Catalina Island with her husband, Robert R.J. Wagner, and their friend, actor Christopher Walken. The beloved movie star's tragic drowning shook America, and what was originally reported to be an open and shut case of accidental drowning has been called into question over the years. In 2011, the investigation was reopened, and in 2018, at the urging of the public, it was reclassified as suspicious. Ever since, the question has remained, what really happened to Natalie Wood? In her new book, Little Sister, Natalie's younger sister, Lana Wood, attempts to answer that very question, and along the way reveals some other shocking, never-been-told-before information about her beloved big sister. Here's our conversation, and please be forewarned that there are discussions of sexual assault and domestic violence in this episode, which may be triggering for some. This is truly one of the honors of my life. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored to be on your show. Oh my gosh, I just, that means more than you know. So we have a lot to unpack together, but first I need to say this, and I told you this a moment ago offline, what a beautiful, brave book. I can't imagine the courage it took to write it. And thank you for sharing it with the world. We should all be so lucky to have a sister and an advocate like you. So, thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I'm, and again, you know, I am so sorry for your loss. I know it's been 40 years, but the, as you write about grief, it never goes away. You just get used to it. So um, I'm sorry that it was ever necessary to write this book because Natalie should still be here with us. Absolutely. With question. Yes, she should be. So in the book, you call Natalie your rock. Tell us about your relationship with Natalie and your closeness. Um, When Natalie and I were really young, when I was, you know, uh, uh, an annoying little child playing on uh, a a toy oven, um, Natalie would tease me she would take the cookies that I made and pretend to eat them all and do I very playful and she was always around um when we both grew up we became closer on a different level it was more of knowing that we would both be there for each other even if we were having problems, if it, if the sky fell, we knew, she knew she could rely upon me and I knew I could rely upon her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, She seems just such a lovely, lovely woman. And we know the Natalie we see on screen. What was she like as a sister and as a person? She loved when we got together by ourselves because um, then she could give in to her silly side because we were always, I don't know, getting into some sort of trouble or some sort of mischief. 
and uh-huh. uh, we just sort of, you know, we were together by ourselves. We would go to movies, we would go to lunch, we would, you know, go shopping, um, a million things. We always did our Christmas shopping together, uh, which was exhausting. <laughs> but I could also, you know, call her and say, I've got to read for this part. Will you listen to me and tell me what you think? Yeah. Or, you know, I just broke up with my boyfriend and I feel terrible. What are you doing? And she'd say, come on over. Um, yeah. It seems like everyday things to others, but it meant a great deal to me that all I had to do was pick up the phone. Yeah. And, and she knew the same of me. I mean, there were times Natalie had a problem. She didn't like being alone at night um, to sleep. So when when she found herself alone in New York, she called me and said, how fast can you get on a plane? And I said, I'll be there soon. And I would, uh, you know, I would go to New York and we would stay together and we would go to plays and we would go to dinners and things and meet with some of her friends. But uh, she she needed me to be with her. Mm-hmm. And that would happen on several occasions. We lived together several times. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, it was a, a very good sister's relationship, not without yeah. its flaws, but. Sure, sure. I mean, no sister relationship is without its flaws, but it sounds like she was not just your sister, but your best friend, too. She was my best friend and her friends were my friends and my free time when I wasn't working or didn't have to get up at the crack of dawn to go to work. I was with her at her house with her friends. We would organize impromptu parties, come on over and play parlor games. She loved to play parlor games. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, everybody would have dinner and we would play stupid games and just have a a wonderful time. So what I knew socially was being with Natalie and what I knew in another sense in relying and loving someone, I had Natalie. So this was um, very tough for me. Of course. Tough for her, but um, tough for me. So it is November 18th as we record this in 11 days. It is impossible to believe that on November 29th, it will have been 40 years since your sister left us. So your remarks on grief in the book are beautiful. You write that grief never goes away. You just learn to live with it. Um, how have you learned to live with it over the last four decades? Well, I had a daughter. Um, I had a home to take care of, my child to take care of, my grandchildren later on. Um, I had responsibilities. And as long as I was very busy with those responsibilities, I could forget sometimes. I yeah. just lived with it. So it it was it was sometimes it would raise its ugly head, so to speak. Um, and I would be overwhelmed. But when I was busy taking care of things and and living my life, um, I could I could deal with it. Yeah. So I want to I want to read a little from the book. You write. Okay. 
It was the night of November 28th, 1981, and I couldn't sleep. I had this vague, icy feeling that something somewhere was wrong. I just had no idea what it was. So my mind was racing around all over the place, trying to find that fire I needed to put out. End quote. So did you have any inkling at that time that your sense of dread might be related to Natalie? Um, I thought of Natalie as one of those people that would always be there. She was Natalie. I mean, nothing was ever going to happen to her. Yeah. Um, so I really didn't. But it was a terrible night. And I don't I don't normally have any kind of an issue sleeping um my my mom was over she was she was staying for me for a little bit and um it was just one of those times when I couldn't sleep I couldn't settle down I couldn't do anything I I finally went into the kitchen and my mom and I had tea and it wasn't until after 5 a.m that I was suddenly able to go to sleep and um then I was awakened by a friend of mine who I'd known since elementary school and she told me the news and I didn't believe her and hung up and she called back again and I thought she was being very silly I said it's someone else and this is a mistake and you know then she convinced me to turn on the television turn on a radio anything and uh, yeah, I heard it and um, I actually saw footage of them carrying away Natalie. Oh, no. And it was, it was still hard to believe, but it's like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like uh, all of a sudden something has dropped into your heart. Yeah. And removed a part of it it's like it was gone yeah and I I was just um I was in shock I was really in of shock course. yeah of course and then that you know a lot of times that shock carries through the funeral and only really when everybody else goes back to their normal lives and your life will never be normal again after no. a loss like that does at least in my experience does it begin to sink in that oh my gosh this has really happened it's not a nightmare that I'm going to wake up from someday and the shock wears off and it hurts so bad yeah 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 absolutely Exactly. I think this is so interesting because you write and anybody who who has who knows about Natalie and who has followed this since it happened. Anybody who knows about Natalie knows that she had a deep fear of of dark water. And as you put it, quote, the one thing in this world that terrified her all her life was dark water. You write how the manner of her death quote, made her death seem even more cruel, which I completely agree with. You also say poignantly, her love for her daughters was more than enough to sustain her. She would never, ever have deliberately left them. So when did you begin to think Natalie's death might not be an accident as it had initially been reported to be? It was always swirling in my head. I just kept thinking things were wrong. 
-hmm. it was just wrong what the Natalie that I lived with all my life, this wouldn't have happened. Right. It was just absolutely wrong. And then I would not think about it for a while and something else would bring it back. And I didn't want to accept it because it, it hurt so badly. And the thought that the one thing that terrified her is the manner in which she died. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I can't tell you um, how that made me feel. No, that's um, especially cruel, especially cruel. Yeah. That's, that's like if someone has a fear of flying and they die in a plane crash. I mean, that's yeah. just awful, awful, awful. It yeah. would have been awful no matter losing losing her so unexpectedly and at such a young age, but it was extra cruel. It was extra cruel. And yeah. um and listeners, you can you, you you've got to pick up a copy of Little Sister and, and read all of the details. But I, I wanted to say that you, like your sister, are also an extraordinarily talented actress. And oh. you you write in the book about how after Natalie's death, your brother-in-law, Robert RJ Wagner who is also an actor um, and who was obviously, if, if I can't imagine that people aren't aware that he was also on the, the yacht that night, um, he blacklisted you in Hollywood. So yes. prior to Natalie's death, what was your relationship like with RJ? You know, it's really, I'm to blame because I never really had a relationship with him. When I would come over, it wasn't to chat with the two of them or shoot pool or just sit and and talk and laugh it was always me and Natalie um our heads were always together we were talking about what we wanted to we would go you know upstairs and start changing our makeup we would go outside and just walk around and and talk um I never really included RJ yeah um I would acknowledge him but also the second marriage just infuriated me to such an extent that um, I, I know I, I should have, I should have reached out to him, but I just couldn't, I just kept remembering what he created the first time around and what Natalie went through. And it just, I felt something was off then. And when I had cornered Natalie before they got married, but she announced it, I said, you know, why are you doing this? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Explain to me why you're doing this. And she said to me, very, very deadly serious. Sometimes the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't. Uh, I mean, how many times have I said that about my, you know, about men in my life that, you know, you just want to run to what's comfortable, even if it's not right. And we should, we should clarify for listeners that don't know, again, read little sister, you'll know all of this, but RJ and Natalie were actually married twice. They were married, they divorced, and then they got back together. And you had had to help Natalie pick up the pieces of the divorce. And, um, you know, to the person in love, it's, it's a lot easier to forgive someone, right? Than if you're the outside looking in saying, you know, probably why are you running back to this? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've been there with many of my friends, and many of my friends have been there with me. So um, that, that's very relatable. <laughs> so RJ yes. was a big player in Hollywood. So was Kirk Douglas. So you open up in the book, again, very courageously, about how, in Natalie's words, Kirk hurt her. Your mother... Yes. Your mother, who you write had out of control ambition, told Natalie that it would be the end of her career if she caused trouble for Kirk Douglas, so she needed to suck it up. I agree with your words completely when you write, quote, whether or not it made sense, I was much more enraged at mom than I was at Kirk Douglas. She'd sent her 15-year-old daughter into a hotel room alone with an incredibly powerful man who was old enough to be her father and then done absolutely nothing about it when he violated her. I couldn't imagine it. It was even more unimaginable now that Natalie and I were both mothers with young daughters of our own. You also write that there's no forgiveness when there's no accountability. So is this book a way for these men, meaning RJ and Kirk to find, I mean, Kirk is, has passed away, but to finally be held accountable? Uh, no, not really. Um, I don't know what the reaction would be to either one of them. Um, RJ, I don't trust. Um, he has told too many different stories and he has contradicted himself. Um, what Natalie went through, unfortunately, and what my mom said to her was all too prevalent back in that era of Hollywood. Absolutely. It would have probably hurt her career enormously. Nobody would believe her. And uh, she would be called a million nasty things. And uh, he would walk away unscathed. Um, RJ, uh, RJ is uh, very problematic because I don't believe he'll ever tell the truth. I wish he would. I wish that actually it's a dim hope because I don't think it will happen, but yeah. I've been surprised before um, that he would just tell the truth before he passes. Yeah. That's really all I want so that age. Natalie can rest and so that I can feel that I've done all I could to take care of her. Well, honestly, I hope that this book is the catalyst for that, for that revelation. I really do. Um, I hope you. that this, I hope that this conversation and others like it and this story being in the press again um, has shown that you and so many others have not forgotten Natalie and that she does deserve justice. And, you know, you, you write in the book that you had to try um, as hard to get answers about Natalie's death as she would have tried for you. That's sisterhood. Yes. Um, yes. Listeners, you'll just need to read the book to hear Lana's full explanation of what she thinks happened. But after all of your research and investigation, which is copious, do you feel as though RJ was responsible for your sister's death? There is absolutely no doubt in my mind. It's like when the case was reopened, and RJ was then named a person of interest. Lieutenant John Carina held a press conference to give the press that information, but he was besieged with other questions. And he finally ended his press conference by saying, all we know is there were two people 
on the back of the boat. Yeah. And then suddenly there was one. Yeah. And I, and I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it because I want listeners to read the book and go buy the book. But I think the way that you explained what you believe happened is, is what happened. I really do. Um, and, And I know that you wouldn't have written that without, I mean, 40 years worth of, of research and investigation into this. So, um, you know, I want to, I want to ask you, the book's been out now for nine days as we record this. I want to ask you, how do you feel? Because it's such a personal memoir. It must feel very vulnerable to have the book out there in the public now. How, how do you feel, um, having, having your, your story out there? Um, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's out there. I feel a sense of relief that I can simply tell relate the facts and to keep everyone knowing that they have to take into consideration what honestly happened and not pay attention to rumors and flights of 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 fantasy from you know various people there's too much speculation uh there are too many things that have been said that are so far from the truth And my truth is not based on what I think. It's based on what the new coroner said, Mm -hmm. what the new detectives have said, what Dennis DeBurn, who is captain on the boat and the firsthand witness, what he has said and what another woman has said who was in another boat next to Natalie and RJ's. Mm -hmm. Um, Firsthand Uh, I mean, waitresses where they had dinner that night. Um, People who were there, it's based on facts. And and there's no question in my mind that he is not responsible. He is responsible for her death. Yeah. And I pray for Natalie, for you, for all who love Natalie, that she will get the justice she deserves and that this book will be the driving force to have him finally brought to justice. So that is my fervent prayer and my fervent wish. So your courage and bravery and vulnerability are, are really remarkable. Um, Little sister an investigation into the mysterious death of Natalie Wood is out now. It has been my honor to talk to you today. Thank you. And mine with you. Thank you. And please don't ever forget Natalie. We will never forget Natalie. Good. Lada, it was my true honor to speak with you. What a kind, generous, loving soul you are. Brave and courageous and bold. Little sister, my investigation into the mysterious death of Natalie Wood is on shelves now. We'll be back soon with topics like sex in the city, organizing your life, and more. But until then, please have a happy Thanksgiving to our listeners in the U.S. And don't hesitate to tell your loved ones how much they mean to you on the holiday and every day. Life is so short.